When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Podcast. This is episode number 13. Today is March 26, 2020, and we're still in hell with Howell. Right. Take hey two. Man. Take two. You know. Take two. Right. For those of you who don't know, we uh, tried to do this last night, but uh, the platform that we record our podcast on was a little buggy and not cooperating at all. So you missed oh, some well. real, real genius stuff. Yeah. Um, we can recreate it, though. We can try. I, I have faith. Yeah. Um, so last night you were saying uh, kind of your routine. Um, do you want to repeat that so so everyone can so no one misses out on on that insight? You mean what I've been do, what we do yeah. each day? Yeah. Or oh, just, we, you know how you're dealing with all. No. Not too. Dis- I'm sure not too dissimilar from most people with kids. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, did you see today where? Lori Lightfoot basically had to say, um, all right, I got to close down the, the lakefront because you idiots are out there yeah. ignoring the, the stay at home ban. You know, she had to say like, uh, you know, go out, going outside does not mean go run a 5k, like right. well, get some fresh air, you know, relax. But people were like, um, you know, congregating in the park along the lake. And yeah. um, I don't know if you saw the pictures over the weekend of like people at the tidal basin in DC. Yeah. For the, for the cherry blossoms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's those types of things that make me wonder how we ever succeeded as a country. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, if, if World War II happened right now, would, would we just all become Germans and Japanese? Because yeah. I don't know that Americans have that sacrifice in them anymore if they can't even not see the cherry blossoms. Um, yeah. yeah. It, 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 in my in my suburb, it was funny to listen to all the parents complaining about the kids. Like I, it's I can understand like teenagers not not abiding by this thing, kind of congregating with their friends. Right. Um, but yeah, when that came out that all, city of Chicago closed all the parks and the lakefront and all that stuff, like in in Oak Park, like we had people playing basketball and tennis and pickleball. <laughs> And it's like, but the playgrounds were closed. So they yeah. finally closed off all the tennis courts, all the basketball courts. Um, it's just like people come on. Like it's, it's fine to be outside and, and all that, but you know, keep your distance and, and not play semi contact sports or, you know, it is kind of interesting because it like goes to the question of the balance of like, what is government for versus like, individual liberty you know yeah um, uh and to, you know i don't know that necessarily 
in this case, we're balancing it very well because I saw today where we passed China for a total number of of uh, COVID-19 cases. Uh, if you believe those Chinese numbers. Right, if you believe those Chinese numbers. Correct, <laughs> as we mentioned last time. Um, you Shout know. out to my conspiracy theory friends. Well, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I think the, you know, like we said it last time, like they pretended like it didn't exist at first. Right. And then, then they like, you know, did like a little Jedi mind trick for multiple weeks and cl- closed everything down. And now they're saying, oh, it's all, it's all, it's all good. Uh, yeah. But I mean, they probably don't want it to come back out and rebound or whatever. So like they're mm-hmm. probably going to do their best to, again, to cook the numbers. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think it's, we're in kind of in, like you said, we're still in hell and I don't know. I mean, what do you think? A couple more weeks? Well, my office just announced that, so our, our main office in DC is going to remain closed until at least April 25th. Okay. Um, and they don't want us going to our regional offices. Um, uh, so I can't go to, they don't want me going to my office in downtown Chicago, at least until then. Um, I don't know. I, was, I forget who I was talking with this about. I think it was one of my work colleagues. I was like, you know, I'm a state, I'm a state level lobbyist. And, you know, a lot of my, all of my capitals, all my legislatures that I, that I deal with, they're all, you know, doing the same thing. They're, they're sheltering in place or they're, they're at a session for now with plans to come back and do only essential legislation. But what's the timing of all that? And it sort of feels like at least another four to six weeks before they feel comfortable to go back to the state capitals and do whatever business they have left over. So I'm kind of thinking on the low end, four weeks yeah. from now, um, maybe as much as another six or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know my buddy in Alabama just said they canceled schools for the rest of the year there. Now, they get out a lot earlier than here in Illinois. Like we, Illinois goes till mid late June at them, I think is out in like mid May. So, you know, they could potentially only be going back for three weeks or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's if, even if it's mid May, that's, you know, what, six, six weeks. Right. So, yeah. And that's probably just being conservative, but let's just not talk about all the terrible things that are, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, I think we, we were, um, kind of outlining how we want to talk about, I think, one of the things people are starting to at least try to do is maybe find some like silver linings to all of this. Uh, sure. Obviously there's, it's, it's mostly terrible. Um, but uh, I was listening to a Freakonomics podcast about, and they were kind of talking about um, the economic impact. And they said, and one of them was an environmentalist, environmental economist. And he said, one of the things he did notice is that if you looked over the the Hubei province during the like four to six weeks that they were on lockdown, their air pollution um, uh, was like markedly like noticeably better. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like little things like that, like you know people are saying, well, there's less people driving, so not as many people dying in car accidents, right? Um, and then of course you get like the more smaller things, like you know neighborhoods coming together to do like treasure hunts and. Um, uh, you know, just kind of like doing things with family that you didn't normally do. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, well, I was telling you yesterday that my, my neighborhood or my block uh, every night around eight, everybody kind of goes out and does the thing where they like ring a bell or wave to one another or applaud the just to let everybody know that we're all still out there and doing stuff. Right. Um, 
we've missed it the last couple of nights because it's it's fallen on the same time where we're putting the kids to bed. But we participated the first couple of nights and they started that last Saturday. Yeah. So um, that's a, yeah. yeah, that's nice. But Did then on the flip side too is yeah. during the that's another thing too. We've had some issues in my in my area, my suburb that some people are like coming out during the day and basically having a block party, but without the bounce houses. <laughs> Um, and just way too many people congregating on the block. Uh, right. So, you know, there's there's a balance there that hasn't quite been found, I think. Well, I think it will be interesting to see if any of this does carry over into like, or, you know, how we live in the future. Like, you know, we were just talking about it's a sacrifice for Americans. And, yeah, you know, can Americans put community above the individual? Um, you know, and is it something where, we need to accept some sort of like government um, kind of role in in legislating or 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 um, navigating that aspects of our lives. Like I don't know. I kind of feel like as soon as this is all over, we'll just kind of go back to to normal. Um, people will kind of maybe for a, a month or two kind of take the lessons and and manifest them and maybe more communal spirit but then everyone everything will just eventually turn back to you know america as we knew it i don't know well i think it's it's a good conversation to have about the role of of the federal government at the very least or or government in general you know by nature government is a very interventionist kind of entity and Mm -hmm. when they necessarily shouldn't be or, you know, they shouldn't necessarily be interventionist at all times, except in right. times like this, where there's a yep. national crisis, mm-hmm. um, where they really should sort of government should become big government and do what they need to do. And then when everything is at peace and normal, they really should be doing a lot less. Yeah. Um, at least in my opinion. But no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had this conversation with people about, um, you know, people ask, are my big government or small government? person and i'm like i'm like i want the government to fill the role that's needed at the time like you mm-hmm. know government um all right um so, small technical difficulty there small difficulty yeah so but back on to the question yeah. the role of government you were, what, to keep oh, what you were yeah, saying yeah. no i think you know i think I, w- I was saying that um i people ask if i'm small government or big government and i'm, I'm generally smaller government you know let people make their own decisions yeah but, you know i, I think government should fill the role that's needed at the time. And so in peace, peaceful times, you know, probably back off and then in emer- national emergencies, you know, they do things like, um, uh, you know, like they're doing now. So, um, kind of, that's my, my take on, on, on that. Um, so I think speaking of, of what government, uh, can and can't do, or maybe should or shouldn't do, um, you know, the, the, the conversation over the last couple of days uh, has been about kind of two things that are not necessarily um, virus deaths or, or, or how it's spreading. Um, one of them being, uh, you know, when can we return to normal life? And mm-hmm. I think Trump has been using the phrase, the cure can't be worse than the the disease or something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, which he of course heard from someone on Fox. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, to me that, like, um, it, it comes off to me as, you know, he's seeing like the market crash, like the potential of like a deep recession, people are getting laid off and he's like, yeah. 
my reelection chances are going down the toilet. I need to get this economy back going. Um, and he says he's going to like relax standards and, and maybe relax social distancing. Um, but, you know, I say, can he even do it? I don't know. You there? I mean, I understand that he wants everybody to be, he, I, I think, I think genuinely he's trying to inject some level of hope and like normalcy and everything, but the way obviously he goes about it in his robotic sort of unbelievable way. Um, I, I mean, he's being contradicted by everybody. The CDC, Dr. Fauci keeps on uh, contradicting him too. Like we, mm-hmm. this is, we're in for the long haul. That's kind of, thankfully I feel like, and I hope I'm, I hope I'm right. Or what I've seen is right. That the general consensus is that people do believe that we're in, in for several, several more weeks of this and not another two or whatever. Um, you know, weeks, if not months more of this. Yeah. And I hope that's the, the, the prevailing thought, but you never know. I mean, well, I get I mean, it. You want to, you want to, you don't want the, you don't want the economy to go further than the tank. We had three and a half million people or almost three and a half million people file for unemployment, uh, which is a record previously, you know, the previous record I think was 600,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's insane. And I can, I get the, the thinking that we, we need to get out of this quicker. We need to open everything back up sooner. But if it just means more people will be infected in more at-risk right. communities or more at-risk, um, um, you know, categories of people are going to be get sick, then you know, I don't well, know how yeah. much how worth it it's going to be. I mean, I've heard the the phrase like you can't have a function uh, a full fully recovered economy till you have a contained virus, right? Um, and so, like, it's essentially. You have to do one before you can do the other. And if you try to do one before the other, you're going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my, my question goes to, you know, most of these measures are somewhat voluntary to the most part. And they've sure. been placed by by governors and mm-hmm. state and, and municipal officials. Um, they haven't been put in force by the federal government. So even if he said, I want everyone back to work by Easter because it's a beautiful day, it's a very special day to me. Um, which was why he chose Easter. He had there were no science behind it, right? Um, uh, he he has he doesn't have a ton of power to make that happen. Um, you know, I think he has some levers he can pull to try and maybe squeeze a, uh, um, a, a state or a city to reopen, um, but I don't think uh, he has a ton of options there, and right. Um, of course, um, if he did do, did say that people would probably be like, oh, well, it's just the blue States trying to, to screw Trump over, um, because, you know, they don't want to open up and I'm just like, those arguments are so stupid because it's like, yes, we want to destroy our state level and city level economies just to get rid of Trump. (laughs) No, I think you're, and this is where the, the federalism argument plays in is that, you know, it is up to these governors you know, I think thankfully to decide and I think that's the way it's supposed to be designed. And I think that's the way the federal government should run it. They should let it, leave it up to the governors and the cities 
to determine when things have gotten safe with the guidance from from yeah. health officials at both the federal and the state level and listening to science and, and physicians and healthcare community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Mike DeWine, a Republican governor from Ohio, has you know, been pretty adamant that he wants people to stay at home and not go anywhere, despite what the president's saying. He was one of the first ones to do, um, you know, a stay at home order and mm-hmm. talk about that sort of thing. And you know, the whole rhetoric of him using, of Trump using this as some sort of ploy to keep him from getting reelected in November. Well, he, he did that to him. If that happens, he did it to himself with the way that he handled this thing from January or even December um, up until now. Right. Um, he's, whatever damage he's inflicted to his reelection chances is, was completely self-inflicted and not, not necessarily because, you know, everybody's out to get him and the deep state is trying to take him down right. again. I mean, I, I, I did see that, um, the Mississippi governor basically overruled all of his municipalities and said, you don't have to follow the state, you know, like the, the stay at home orders and you can go and restaurants can remain open. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the downside of federalism too, is that like people probably should all be staying at home at this point just to yeah. get it contained. And if we had a, a federal government that had a strong leader, maybe they would be, but because it's been so politically divided, um, people are choosing to kind of go with their camp. Um, when there's still a faction of people out there who don't, don't believe that this is that serious, they're still treating it as if it's just a bad flu. I mean, despite everything that's been going on, the the infection rate, the death rate, all been climbing every single day, and in some cases, the infection rate's been doubling every day. Um, and yeah. but there's, I'm I'm sure there. I mean, there's still people out there who are like, oh, it's not that bad, it's just a bad flu. And you know, I'm 40 years old, and I've I'm in good shape, and don't have any pre-existing conditions like respiratory illness or or diabetes or whatever, and I'm going to be fine. So yeah, there's that I- invincible. You know, every, I'm invincible. Kind of you know thinking out there, I think still with this whole thing. Well, I can tell you, I certainly don't want to catch it. Um, yes, I've, heard I agree. Some, I've heard some stories of stories about, you know, this, like the crushing chest pain and like trouble breathing and even mm-hmm. like, non elderly. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. So count me as someone who is going to try and avoid, do everything I can to, to not, to not catch it. Um, yeah. and I will stay inside and follow orders. Uh, one thing I did see, um, I think it was this morning and it might've been the wall street journal that they estimate some, some economists estimated the cost of, of, uh, relaxing social distancing policies too early. And I don't know how you, you estimate it, but I think this was in response to kind of this effort to, um, as you said, like open up early, and he he estimated it at seven point nine trillion dollars. So um, uh, that is quite a bit um, more worth it than um, than you know what the economy would be, you know, for three four months or whatever, however long this takes to get out of it. So yeah, um, you know, I I think that's a that's obviously a number that is somewhat subjective and. And how and you know how you build it is very important, but it just it does give you a sense that like um, you know, the the case is not that easy to say. Oh, we're going to destroy our economy for something that for the flu, you know, um, it's a lot lot more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I guess we'll see. Um, I think, I think, like you said, I think we've got, even if Trump says, you know, all places can open up in the next, you know, what is that? Two weeks. Um, I think you'll still see states stick to this for at least probably another month. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think end of, end of April, first week of May. Yeah, people might feel a little bit more. I mean, I go out. I've noticed. I've already noticed people kind of not panicking as much. You know, I, I'm, I, my wife and kids stay home, and I go to the grocery store. I'm going to Walgreens. I'm getting what we need for the week, um, in terms of food and diapers and uh-huh. baby wipes and all that. And you know, last week the grocery stores were insane, and you could see you could see the anxiety in people's faces. And then this week, the two times that I've already gone just to pick up a few things. Everybody's a lot more calm, smiling a little bit more. They're just kind of trying to go about their day, yeah. um, kind of un- understanding that it's not really normal, but they, they're trying to make it as normal as possible. Right. Um, so that's good. I think that that that's really good for everybody, for the a good mental space for everybody to be in, to understand that there's a, there's a problem, but not to let them affect their headspace too much um, while still while still being cautious. Um, yeah. But I remember like over the weekend, there was a couple, I saw a couple of girls at the grocery store and they, they were probably 19 or 20 home from college. They had their winter scarves wrapped around their faces and they were wearing dish gloves um, and talking about how freaked out they were as they were shopping. And I was like, first of all, the winter scarf is not going to save you from this thing. A, a doctor, when he goes to perform surgery, doesn't wear, put the scarf he wore in that morning. Around doesn't his replace face. an N95 mask. <laughs> right. And I just, I was driving me nuts. I was like, all you're doing is freaking people out and they're already freaked out and don't need to be more freaked out. And that's all these two girls were doing, but. Well, thankfully no, no one pays attention to 19 or 20 year old. Yeah. Thank God. But yeah, Um, this week has been much calmer, very, very different. Um, So I'm, I'm glad to see that. Yeah. I think, I think for the most part, people are um, answering the call of duty and, and, (laughs) Um, FIFA? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, no, no, not the video game. No. Oh, not the video game. <laughs> no, they're a- actually like answering the call to like. Oh, answering the call of duty. I thought you yeah. said they were playing Call no. of Duty. Well, they probably are doing that too. <laughs> and, well, yeah. I'm on a Facebook page for the. It's the uh, Oak Park Dads Facebook page, and there's oh. a, there's a couple there's like three or four dads that are trying to organize an online. Uh, call of Duty like tournament or something. So that's why that that popped into my head. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've not been taking part in the, um, the like virtual happy hours or anything. Um, my work had one today. Did you go? Yeah. I mean, it was, we use zoom and to, to, uh, it was, there were 40 people on it. So it doesn't work very well when you have 40 people. I just, I I just kept my microphone on mute and just sat there and drank (laughs) while, you know, my boss was kind of talking and saying hello to everybody. And Mm. uh, we actually, unfortunately we just had, not unfortunately, but I'm happy that we've got a new, a new hire that started this week. And, um, she's actually going to be based in Chicago with me. Um, but I, I was talking to her earlier today, um, mm-hmm. as part of her orientation. And I was like, I was like, dude, what a week to be starting a new job. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, she was supposed to be in DC all this week doing, you know, all this onboarding and she's stuck in her, in her apartment. Yeah. Um, but so are you going to start putting her to work this week? Uh, well, she doesn't work for me. She's, oh, um, okay. she's, uh, uh you know, I'm the, I'm the state government affairs person. She's the state policy person. So oh, like okay. she works with me. She's a partner. Gotcha. Um, 
but um, I I knew her up from the Hill. We she was in DC, um, gotcha. from Chicago originally, so she moved back several years well, ago. So I've well, speaking of uh, lobbyist and policy, maybe we should talk about this stimulus bill that yeah. still hasn't passed. Passed the Senate. It passed the Senate, but ninety six to nothing passed. after some drama over the weekend. Who didn't vote? So you got four Republican senators uh, who aren't there. So John Thune um, is a senator from South Dakota. He has a cold. He has been tested um, for coronavirus, but it hasn't the results haven't come back yet. So they're just saying he has a cold, but he's quarantining himself. Um, Rand Paul is tested positive, so he okay. is quarantined. Um, tested positive for douchery. Yeah, th- that whole story that that's that's really interesting. He's a physician for God's sake. So. <laughs> Anyway, I, I don't. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. Um. And then I'm blanking on who the other two senators are. Okay. They're, they're quarantined. Oh, Mitt Romney is still self quarantined, even though he has tested negative for coronavirus. Uh, but mm-hmm. he is still self quarantined because his wife has MS. Okay. So he's staying away. Um. Uh. And I'm, I can't remember who the third one is, but or the fourth one, but. So yeah, ninety six to nothing after some fireworks over the weekend. Um, yeah. What did you think about kind of that whole like kind of how this has all been going about? Like I know. McConnell drafted the bill without, at least my understanding was the initial bill was drafted without um, Democratic Party input. Um, and then they kind of hashed it out over a couple of days and got to where they are now. What 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 did you think about the, the way it was kind of all crafted? Well, I, so what I've heard just from old old colleagues is that yeah, McConnell did the first draft and then took it to Schumer, and Schumer pretty much agreed to most of it, well, negotiated some of it and agreed to most of it, and they were all set to vote on it and pass it on Sunday or whatever, and then Pelosi got wind and got Schumer to change his mind and to back out, Okay, um, and that's why it all kind of derailed. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure there's way more to it than that yeah. that's being left out, but that's the that's the the quick and dirty of it all. I'm curious because you know there were calls of like I, your natural calls of like you know the Republicans are are putting in too much uh, um, for big corporations, and it was like the Democrats are just playing part you know politics here in this time of you know national mm-hmm. need, and and I think I saw you like retweeted or liked a tweet that was just like. Someone was just like, this is how our system works. It's like a negotiation. It's a tug and yeah. pay, you know, guys, this is, don't freak out. They're going to get something done. They know they're mm. going to get something done. Like, did you think it was more of just kind of like that is kind of how policy is developed? Or did you think it was, there were some overly partisan antics going on? I'm sure there were some partisan antics in it, but well, that's I mean, how the Senate, I'm sure there that's were. I always, I mean, was, was it like overly, was it like someone going over the line in this situation. I mean, you may not know, but I'm just curious. I'm sure, I'm sure there was somebody who went over the line, but even, even that the system is built to deal with that. And, you know, shout out to James Walner, who I I liked, it was his tweet that I liked. And he's a very much, um, he's a historian of the Senate. Um, He worked on the Hill. We worked on the Hill together, actually worked in the same office as his wife. And um, uh, he's very much a student of the Senate and process and the history. So He's been done multiple podcasts talking about, especially during the impeachment um, proceedings in the Senate, about how the Senate's supposed to work and what powers does McConnell have versus his caucus, what powers Schumer has versus his caucus. And he, he always comes down to the same thing that 
every senator has the same amount of power. It just depends on who they're willing to cede it to to get stuff done. And McConnell has gotten a, gotten the Republican caucus to a place where they cede all of their power to him in order to get things done. And probably to the same extent, they do the same thing for Schumer on the Democratic side. But all in all, even though there's partisan wrangling happening here, that's part of the process. That's right. what the Senate is. It's built in. It's baked into the Senate that way that it's going to account for that. And then see, it ended up working out um, at the end of the day with pretty much everybody getting something. And now they're all trying to claim victory one over the other. And that's the best part where they all kind of got what they wanted out of this in general. But yeah, you see Schumer saying that he, you know, Democrats won because now none of the um, none of the corporate um, money for corporations is going to go to Trump's companies and. Right. Republicans are happy because they, I don't know, I forget what their big, their big thing was. Um, nothing's going to Planned Parenthood or something like that. And <laughs> That's always the most important thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, the, the, the meat of the whole thing is, is, is very good. If this is what you think is going to do, save the economy, the direct payments to individuals, you know, the student loan suspension, uh, student loan payment suspension, um, you know, unemployment benefits got a boost. Yeah. The hospitals got a ton of money. Um, there's now, um, you know, basically what they're calling the slush fund of $500 billion that goes to businesses, small businesses yeah. um, and small businesses, big businesses. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's what, if, if this is what's going to stimulate the economy, what they believe it is overall, it's, it's, it's a good bill. Was, was, yeah. I mean, was there anything in there that you kind of like, like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, the, the funny, the one thing that I've heard a lot of people complaining about is, there's a 25 million in there for the Kennedy center. Yeah. And you know, it's $25 million out of a over $2 trillion package. And the Kennedy center is actually a government entity at the end of the day. And they've, I'm, you know, they've laid off a ton of people. They've, you know, that's federal. Those are technically federal jobs, even yeah. though um, ticket sales and federal appropriations are what funds the Kennedy center. So and it is a national treasure. It is. And, you know, the, the National Endowment for the Arts got a bunch of money, too. And um, the other good one that I saw is there was a ton of, there was like $50 million for um, congressional salary in which people, Republicans and Democrats, have been freaking out saying, oh, great, the senators and congressmen gave themselves a pay raise. I'm, I'm no, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. First of all, congressional pay is manned, is is laid out in, in the Constitution. Um, this is, this was for support staff. This was for the people that work in the offices who either have been furloughed or, or not furloughed, but you know, to cover expenses lost and all that. So yeah, it's federal workers. That's I, what it is. I kind of, um, for me, the, the thing that the one that I'm really like, screw those guys is, is the cruise lines. Um, because yeah, fuck like, those guys, because they, I think they got a significant amount of money. Um, and you know, like those guys, they flag off shore so they don't have to pay us taxes. Um, and they, um, they also, also when they flag off shore, they don't have to, uh, abide by, um, us, uh, like labor laws as well. And yeah. I remember when I was on my cruise last summer or last spring break, um, the guy, one of our guy was basically like our um, server at dinner every night was basically pleading with us. He's like, I, I work basically three months straight um, while we're at sea mm -hmm. and like with no days off. 
and I get paid like very little money. And there's people from like the poorest countries of poorest parts of India working there just because, you know, they're the only types of people who will take those jobs. And I'm just like, companies like that, they do not deserve bailouts. Also, um, the airlines, which were like nickeling and diming all of its passengers right over the last um, 15 years with fees and then but doing stock buybacks um, you know like giving executives all these large payouts um, like you know fuck those guys too like you know give us a better experience and maybe I'll let you, I want you to be bailed out now what does it what does it matter I, I guess they got their money anyway but I was kind of upset to see that in there um, I'm sure that well, yeah. Well, the cruise line, the cruise lines didn't get anything. They don't qualify for anything. Oh, they don't. I no, they don't. No, they, yeah. that got pulled out. The last so that got pulled guys. out. I'm glad those guys got fucked. Because I think for all the same re- for all the reasons that you laid out, they fly their all their ships under a foreign flag mm-hmm. so that they can skirt environmental issues and labor laws. Uh, they're basically tax shelters for for some of these companies because all of their business takes place in international waters. Right. Um, you know, they dump sewage into the oceans. Yeah. Um, they're fucking floating petri dishes. I mean, have you have we gone you know a, f- a few months without hearing about some sort of disease infested cruise line yeah. that's now parked off of like outside of Miami because they can't come into the bay or for whatever reason. Right. Um, but yeah, the airlines got a bunch of money. Um, you know, I. You know, they divvied it up among, among among like the commercial airlines versus the cargo versus right. uh, you know my Boeing stock got a nice boost today. But, uh, well, I mean everybody's. I mean we've made the stock market itself has made up all the losses from the last several weeks for the most part. Um, well, not it's incredible. I mean, it's crazy. The it's these swings bad. are insane. Now I know that's it's going to taper back down once all these while it, it waits. We wait for the money to get dispersed because. I think the the payments to individuals aren't going to really happen until the end of April or something like that, or middle of April. Um, the twelve hundred dollar checks um, and direct payments um, to people, but it's so uh, all in all, you would say like this is what government does. Like this uh, is what supposed this is what government's supposed to be doing. My my well, uh, 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 a former colleague of mine was complaining. He was like, why didn't, you know, it comes out to $5,500 of American. Why not just send $5,500 checks to all Americans? Um, it's like when you see lobbyists being quoted in, in, in newspapers talking about all the things they got for their, their um, lobby, you know, you know, we've been screwed over. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I mean, my thought would be like, well, you know, do you expect these, um, Congress people to be experts in every industry and know what they need to, and be economists and be, you know, like they, there's a system in place and this is how mm-hmm. the system works. And they, this is how they write legislation. Um, and especially in this time and place, it's not going to be a perfect bill, but I think acting and showing America that you're acting and the markets that you're acting and that you're going to do things to stabilize it. That is the important part. Yeah, um, and I think so that's true. The the bill is not going to be perfect, uh, and if you had waited to try and create a perfect one, you'd probably cause more damage. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's true, and it, it, not very few industries got specific shout outs in this thing. Um, you know, airline industry for sure, because that's that's what we need for a functioning economy. We need people to be able to travel mm-hmm. and airlines are essential to that. Um, I, the, the essential industries got the biggest call outs in these bills for sure. Manufacturing and, and all that and supply chain. 
Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, members of Congress are about an inch deep and a mile wide on every issue. They need people with expertise. And that's why these interest groups and lobby groups are there to provide that expertise. And it's up to the members of Congress themselves to decipher what is actually going to be relevant and what's not relevant. Right. Uh, that's why they're there. They don't have to take all the advice, but you know, it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, the book stops with them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me know what you think after you read all 880 pages. <laughs> listeners, um, well, I'm sure there's some like there's some bullshit in there. There's got I mean, there always is. Um, you know, Twitter's been on fire with some of the stuff. I think it's overblown. Um, you know, mostly the, well, the Twitter, a Twitter being overblown. No. Yeah. You don't don't say. Yeah, mostly like the hardcore conservatives are you know freaking out over some small you know paragraph within the bill that they think is going to end the the social fabric of this country somehow. It's so. it's it's just you know it's a it's a long long play slow plot by the socialists to the democratic socialists to to take over America, Pete. Don't you realize this? Well, I mean, and what's that's that kind of brings us to the next next part of what's you know what comes next. So this is the third bill uh, in response to coronavirus that we've passed. Obviously, this is the big one. This is the economic stimulus, mm-hmm. and there's already been the talk of you know, especially from Nancy Pelosi, that the next one is going to be the recovery bill. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Is that is that when we're, they're really going to try and push their agenda? The newer um, deal. Yeah, a newer deal, exactly. And does that include the Green New Deal? Does that include, you know, you know, whatever, you know, nationwide rent control? Does that include, you know, whatever, um, you know, stronger collective bargaining? You know, what are all the big, you know, progressive liberal sort of um, goals and and issues that they want to champion? And you know, I think that's something that people should watch for and see what's in it. And you know, that might be where the really big fight happens. And it's not to say it, it could, it's going to pass if it's too right. far to the left, right? Um, but you know, really it will show you where the, where the Democrats, at least the Democrats in the house, um, where their heads are at. It is funny though, you know, like Trump doesn't care about, he just wants something to pass. Yes. Like, so he can claim victory. Um, so they actually kind of, if they, if, if you do this before the election or, you know, which you should, you, you have an opportunity to maybe get something, um, some of your agenda passed. Uh, so when well, I think we're going to be debating too, with this, with this stimulus, if it, are the, were the direct payments to individuals, the smartest move, or should we have just get put everything into the unemployment insurance and yeah. employment benefits? Yeah. Um, you know, right. I mean, what was the, what's the most efficient way to give people, get people money to, to, to help them out during this time. And right. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm sure it's something that's going to be debated for a while. And I'm sure there were many economists that were consulted in right. kind of, what does that do? What does it look like? Um, you know, I, I kind of was thinking like when you, if you keep it re- tied to employment, then like, you know, there's all sorts of other um, factors that, you know, like there's people who have to process it and, you know, yeah. there's like, you know, there's other orders of magnitude that it affects rather than just a direct check to someone. But what do I, yeah. know? Um, we'll see. Um, but yeah. I think the economy needs it. Although I did see today that um, uh, one economist likened this disruption to a really bad snowstorm as opposed to an actual like deep recession. Like it's more Hmm. like a blip and that as long as you can come out of it, like 
in you know three three four weeks whatever then you should be fine um so <laughs> we may be i hope so yeah <laughs> i'm I, I don't feel as confident in that but no no i don't either i think I, I i think there's i think there are industries that are going to be fine like you know there was all this all the talk about the casino industry looking for for bailouts near, they're, they're going to be fine very, there was that i said very near and dear to our heart very near and dear to our heart i mean the win in las vegas is dark man the MGM resorts are dark in Vegas right now and they don't know when they're going to reopen, but at the end of the day, they will reopen and they will make plenty of money and be just fine. Yeah. Well, and we, we will continue to support them. Absolutely. I'm already looking at uh, going in, in July. Oh, wow. Well, do your part. Giving I, back. I, am, I intend to hashtag giving back. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Cool. I mean, I guess we have our topics for this podcast for the next uh, um, three, four weeks. Uh, yeah. We'll be talking about like what board game you're playing. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, do you have something you're into since we'll get back to try to some sort of normalcy uh, for this? Yeah, I'm into. Yeah, I'm into. I miss playing poker, live poker. It's uh-huh. killing me right now. I, I haven't been able to go to the horseshoe and play live poker. Um, my brother-in-law organized, um, a, uh, a home game on pokerstars.net last week. And that was fun. Eight of us got on and played and we did a buy-in of 40 bucks and that was great. But it got me thinking, like, I really want to start getting back into my home games that I used to host all the time. I used mm-hmm. to get like, you know, eight or 10 people to come over. I've got, a, I've got a poker table and, you know, my own chip set and all that stuff. But I, I like my chips. They were a gift. Um, but I feel like they're not, uh, they're not good enough. And I wanted to upgrade. So I did a ton of research in between doing work uh, over the last two weeks. I bought uh, some sample sets um, of some chips that came uh, the other day. And I played with them. My kids have been playing with them, kind of feeling them in my hands. And I picked a set and I ordered them last night. And I'm really excited that I'm getting some brand new uh, 500 piece uh, poker chip set that I'm going to be able to use. You don't have them yet? Uh, I don't. I have the sample set. So I've got like seven. They're in the the seven denominations, one of each that I've been playing with. Um, But they should be coming uh, sometime next week, probably. Um, But when this is all over, I can't wait to host, uh, get back into hosting my home games that I used to host. Um, They got pretty big when DC, it was like, it was like 16 guys would come over and we'd play. And when I first moved to Chicago back in 2009, I got a similarly sized games from family and friends that I'd made. Um, so I'd like to at least do it on, you know, the eight to 10 scale. Cool. Um, but well, uh, that. that's what I'm getting. I'm what I'm getting, hoping to get back into. So in doing that by, you know, upping my, uh, my game a little bit with some new poker chips. Cool. How about you? Um, well, one of the things I said since I'm locked down here is I want to read some more. Um, Cause, and not from a screen. So um, mm-hmm. I actually bought a book, a nonfiction book, which I, I, I mostly read. I'm sorry, a fiction book. I mostly read nonfiction. Um, and it's called uh, Nothing to See Here. Uh, it, it's written by a Vanderbilt grad, which is why I, um, I, I read about it in the Vanderbilt magazine. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, um, a, a girl who who kind of from the under underclass who is friends with kind of a high society girl from Tennessee. And, um, 
they went something back. you can relate to. Yes, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, it's there's a lot of Tennessee. There's some Vanderbilt. There's some politics. Um, there's uh, raising kids involved, um, and it's 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 a it's a nice tale. And I've been kind of burning through the book. It's only about two hundred pages. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been nice to like sit down and read a book again. Um, haven't done that in a while. I usually just end up like getting a book on the Kindle and reading it on the iPad and it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Um, so I've been re- into reading books. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, You're making me seem a little bit like a degenerate now. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't hide. You can't. You're a scholar and I'm just a gambler. If it, if it, if it quack walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, reading, it's good for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, is there, is in, in terms of like a parting kind of sentiment that I, I wanted to say, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are um, still trying to patronize restaurants as much as they can from the carry out and, um, and delivery side of things. And coming from a restaurant family, I, I hope everybody continues to do that and tries and helps out the, the, the small family restaurants and, and, um, from uh, keep them from closing down and still patronizing them. But also, you know, the small family retailers, you know, you and I have a good buddy, Ryan Mayo, who's got a, a retail company, Last Exit Goods. They've, they've been a friend of the podcast. And, um, you know, everybody should go to his website, lastexitgoods.com, and, and purchase something from him and keep his business alive and um, do that for any small, uh, small business that you might come across, especially during these times. But that's just yeah. one, one thing I want to kind of end out on. Actually, um, I, I will just plug this real quickly. I don't, I can't remember the website right off the top of my head, but I heard today that in Chicago, um, some entrepreneurial group started, it's like shoplocalchicago.com, where it's a website where you can go uh, and look for um, local uh, retailers who you can order online and they'll deliver it to you right oh, now nice. during this time. So it's a way to, to keep them with some revenue during during all this so yep yeah again good yeah it's a good good message to send at the end of this yep all right nice, man yep well um again, let's plan to, let's plan to go to the casino at some point okay yeah uh find us at twitter at bros politics um and uh we'll catch you on the other side yep see you guys in the next episode take care Walk